Welcome to Health Hats, learning on the journey towards best health. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege living in a food oasis who can afford many hats and knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. Most people wear hats one at a time, but I wear them all at once. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. As you know, I'm on the board of governors for PCORI, the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute. The view, the possibilities, and the levers of power are different in a board seat than in an advisory, leader, or staff seat. I'm still gaining my sea legs, building trust, relationships, and learning about strategy, dashboards, and figuring out how to best support staff and leadership from my perch. I met Nikki Montgomery a couple of months ago when Dr. Natasha Washington, Desiree Collins-Bradley, and Haladura interviewed us together about the practice of equitable patient-centered measurement. They were in a collaborative partnership that had been formed between the American Institute for Research, AIR, ATW Health Solutions, to examine equity, diversity, and inclusion within patient-centered measurement. Meeting Nikki, I realized I was in the presence of something special. Nikki Montgomery is the Executive Director of Madvocator Educational and Healthcare Advocacy Training and the author of Super Safe Kids, a patient safety book series. Nikki is a patient advocate, a hospital board member, and the past president of the Patient and Family Partnership Council at University Hospital's Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital in Cleveland. She is also the project coordinator for the Barrel Institute's Patient Experience Policy Forum, and she serves on their Global Patient and Family Advisory Board. As the parent of a child with complex medical needs, she has spent lots of time in healthcare settings and is interested in improving equity, engagement, and communication with patients. Nikki, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate this. I'm very excited about having this conversation because I don't actually know that many people who are patient, caregiver, stakeholders, who are on boards of larger health organizations, as opposed to being on an advisory panel, like being on a board. So why don't you um, start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to our listeners. 
Thank you for having me. I'm Nikki Montgomery. I am a patient advocate and I came to patient advocacy because of my role as the parent of a child with complex health needs for the last nine years. And also because I was raised as the sibling of a person with complex health needs and a disability. So I came into that role doing advisory groups and those types of roles first and was later invited to join a board. And I've been happy to be able to contribute in that way because I also don't know that many people who are able to do that. But it's a lot to navigate sometimes too, especially for me because my child is receiving care at the place where I'm on the board and there's some complexity there. I'm enjoying the journey of trying to learn how to do this better. I don't think it's a given and there was no blueprint. I was the first parent ever invited to a board at our hospital. So um, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out what that path should look like. So that's really interesting because the issue of being invited versus inviting yourself. Yes. Because there are those are different paths to being on a board. So how did that happen that you got invited? So I was president of our Patient and Family Partnership Council. I served as vice president for two years, then president. And during that time, I spoke at management forums. I um, did a lot of things in the hospital in a teaching way. And Mm -hmm. I think that kind of probably got some attention from people who were leaders in the hospital. I also have quite a lot of academic background. And I think that instills some trust in a way that not everyone has the privilege to be able to do. I have a bachelor's and master's in English. I have a master's in educational psychology with research focused on engaging the families of medically complex children. I also have a graduate certificate in patient advocacy. So I think on paper, I look like the kind of person you might want to invite to your board. I would love it if every person was the kind of person you could invite to your board. And I would love to see doors open in that way. But honestly, I feel like that played a big role in me being invited. The hospital was turning a corner in how they viewed patient safety, patient experience, and they saw the value of having a patient or family member on these boards. And that all converged as I was playing a leadership Mm -hmm. role in that institution, which was why I was invited. So were you invited by the CEO or the board chair? I was invited by the hospital president. Okay, the hospital president. Mm Wow. So... That shows, to me, when leadership thinks of patient caregiver engagement at a leadership level, that shows self-confidence. I think so. On their part. I think so, yes. Um, they are they are wanting to be open about their processes. It shows transparency. It shows engagement and all of those different things. And Solutions for Patient Safety is an organization that a lot of um, children's hospitals are involved in, and they actually give you a little extra bump almost in your status in their network when you have those involvements on your board and safety and quality committees. So I know okay. that plays a role in the way hospitals view that. They see it as something important for their status, for safety. And I think that's part of the reason my hospital invited me as well. They wanted to engage a patient in a meaningful way, according to Mm -hmm. uh, those standards. So it's interesting to me, okay, one of the things about being a first is, as you were saying, there's no blueprint. There's an orientation or a mentorship program, or this is like your job description, or Like anything. 
Yeah, you get the board orientation. And if you've been on boards before, it's familiar. But no, there's no template for this is how a family member should be interacting in this space. Oftentimes, boards are made up of donors and other community partners and community leaders. But I didn't come in with that kind of role. So I think for me, it was hard to figure out where my voice should be applied and how. I used the template of how we worked with our patient and family advisory council when we would have leaders come and we'd ask questions and understand what their roles were. So I used that as a template, but I was really pulling from my own experience, not certainly from any training I received on how to do this well. So being being involved as a family member engaged in leadership, you can come from the point of view of this has been my experience with my child in this system. And you can come from the point of view that you are a passionate uh, advocate for health equity. And you're thinking about system issues as opposed to personal, not as opposed to, and personal experience perspectives. And I also juggle that. I see my role as being a story collector. So it's not just me sharing my own experience. It's me having experience with other families and being able to share their experiences too. So that's part of it is that it's not just my story. It's a collection of stories I'm bringing to the table. But then Mm -hmm. looking at it system-wide, I want to see how any gaps would affect those families whose stories I know. So I'm thinking Uh, about it that way, that in in a systemic view, I want to know how the families I know are going to navigate any changes that we see in policy and what the obstacles are going to be for them. So when you say, I I love the collector of stories, I I just love that. And so you mean that pretty literally. It's not just you're filing them away, you're bringing them up. You're either you're sharing them or you're inviting somebody to share. Yes, it's I have a background in literature, like I said, and I think okay. that kind of comes naturally that I want to know the story. I want to know where the pitfalls were in that story, because to me, focusing on those pitfalls really shows you where the work needs to be done. Yeah. Anything that tripped up a family, anything that caused them additional stress or harm, those are the areas where the work is needed. So I feel like when I talk to multiple families in a system and visit hospital floors um, before COVID and talk to families, those are stories I'm gathering. So I understand more largely what experience is like in that institution, Mm -hmm. what safety is like, all of those things. And those are the stories I want to bring to the table when it's time to discuss even a new facility. Will your new facility have bathrooms that are accessible to people who have adults with disabilities? That's something that has come up in our meetings and come up in my interactions, and I could bring that to the table. So I feel like those small experiences that I can gather from other people are ways to integrate into the policy discussions in a board Mm -hmm. meeting. So one of the things that sometimes happens at board meetings is that there's a review of a dashboard. And so whether the dashboard is about perception or finance or access, 
or publicity. Mm-hmm. And so there's the there's the linking of Okay, so we have these metrics, and this is how we keep a, a pulse. We take a pulse on how the organization, the system is doing. Mm-hmm. And bringing in stories to flesh out, to put meat on the bones, they inform the statistics. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, so how, how does that work in, in your? So you're sitting there listening to stuff or reading stuff. I'm fortunate to work in a system where I feel like there's some excellence in really getting to the details. And I love that when we're talking about a medical error, for example, there is a discussion of that individual error, of what individually caused that, what systemic changes need to happen. And that gives me hope. I think part of the reason I got into this work is I want to see how the sausage is made. So yet another Mm -hmm. metaphor here. I want to know that my voice is represented at these tables. And that is why I wanted to get involved. Sometimes without my voice, in that room, my experience would not be represented, which is the reason I continue to enter all these different rooms as I have opportunities. But I feel like that kind of role means that I have to think about the dashboard and also think about the people who make up the numbers in that dashboard. And I love seeing when they take such a granular approach to handling errors, when they take Mm -hmm. a granular approach to handling any conflicts or difficulties, because that says to me, you're looking at these as individual people too, Mm -hmm. and not just a roundup of numbers. So that's reassuring when I see that. And I've been fortunate to serve on patient and family advisory councils now at two different hospitals, a quality committee at one hospital, where we talked about those errors that happen in medicine, and being able to be transparent about that and really dig down into why this happened to this one child Mm -hmm. has really renewed my faith in the process that my child enters the system. He's not just a number, you know? Yeah. Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Use Abridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com, A-B-R-I-D-G-E.com, or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. I think this issue of having influence is partially about your individual action Mm -hmm. at the board meeting, Mm -hmm. the homework you do to prepare it for it. And there's the factor of building coalitions within the board. How does that, how does that happen? What are your relationships with other board members? I will say this is probably the part that has been most difficult because of COVID and just difficult in general. In my board group, I'm the only woman of color. And there was, so 
I, I don't have a kind of group of people that I feel like are having the same life experience as I mm-hmm. am. And there are people from different classes. So a lot of them are donors and business owners and things like that. So I feel like that's been a challenge for me to figure out how to build those coalitions. Mm-hmm. I think everyone understands my role. And I think they appreciate that role, but in terms of really working on things and maybe meeting outside of the board meetings, I have not been able to figure out how to do that and manage the rest of my life. Too. Yes. Yeah. It's a commitment. It is. And that's, I'd say that's more difficult for me in general. I want to get more of those relationships. I want to understand how we can work together. And I don't feel like I'm running into problems in terms of voicing um, my thoughts and the needs, mm-hmm. I think, of the patient population. So I I don't think I've done that well enough to give advice on it. Honestly, I, that's where I'd love to grow. Okay. What advice would you give organizations that are wanting to put their toe in the water, what advice would you give them? Mentorship and training, right? Anytime you walk into a new job that no one's ever had before, (laughs) I think you're creating a template and you're depending on the strength of that person to create the template. But ideally, this is something that systemically we are prepared for and that we don't leave them to navigate it on their own. You know, when I first started, I met with the president of the hospital individually. She invited me, told me what kind of what my role would be on the board. I think that's a, a good move. I think there should be periodic check-ins, at least I'd say once a year to say, what are your goals for this year? And here's how you can grow your contribution. I think that has to be treated almost like an employee relationship in some Mm -hmm. ways, because this person, you're giving trust to them. So I I would love to see structure behind inviting family members to a board so that they know what their exact role should be, so that they know where their contributions are going to be most valued, Mm -hmm. and so that they can focus their own efforts. And then just to some of the simple stuff that I wouldn't know if if without my business background is how do you prepare for a board meeting? You get this giant packet of stuff, you know? (laughs) Um, Those are things that if I had not had background experience, I would not have known to do. I think think we have to broaden who we invite. I think that it can't always be your gold star patient, <laughs> your patient who seems to stand out for education or communication. Sometimes we have to invite, we should be inviting a broad swath of who our patient population is. And it is a privilege to do this role, but it shouldn't require privilege to do this role. So that's those are the things I'd like people to think about as they embark on that journey. Well, what about turn it the other way? Say that you're giving advice to somebody who has an investment in an organization Mm -hmm. because they make use of it Mm -hmm. and there's something that they admire about it and they want to get involved at the leadership level, which is different than being on an advisory council. How would you, what, what advice would you give to that person? I talk to parents about this all the time. Parents are often navigating multiple systems. Sometimes they feel lost in those systems. And I feel like some of the reasons they feel lost are that their voices are not at the table where decisions are being made. And I 
encourage families to invite themselves to those tables. <laughs> so if oh, there's yeah. an, yeah, if there's an organization that's serving you well, or you feel like needs to be serving you better, um, ask how you can get involved, ask what leadership roles are available, and then ask about that board. There are sometimes barriers to being on a board that are financial. If there's an organization that you want to join and they have a financial commitment that's required to be on boards, that, that happens more with community organizations and hospitals, I would assume. But ask for a waiver of that. So you can join this body and help to guide it. I think family voices are tremendously valuable. We know that. And inviting family voices into those spaces should be practiced. But when it's not, I think families need to pull up a chair. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm going to circle back a little bit. So how are you going to recognize that you've been successful in influencing health equity in your organization? I think right now, the way that I'm trying to go about that is by bringing it up at every opportunity possible. I'll feel like I'm successful when I'm, I don't have to be the voice bringing it up. Oh, I like that. I like that. It's one of the challenges about measurement is often the measuring is more work than the value of the response, what you get out of it. Right. And that's, you're not assigning anybody work. Collect this data for me. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. My goal is that there are multiple voices speaking for the things that I find important. I said before about wanting to see how the sausage is made. Part of the trouble with building trust with healthcare is knowing that you're not represented in some spaces. And when I feel like that representation is not necessary, it will be because the values I have are infused throughout the system, that they don't need to be brought up by someone with my face and my experiences, but that they will exist independently. So that's my dream for healthcare. I'd love Mm -hmm. to be there. Yeah. Wow. What should we have talked about that we haven't? Maybe the politics of getting care in a space and being uh, in that space's leadership as well. (laughs) Yeah. I've had great experiences, but a lot of my experiences are colored by the fact that people where we're getting care, know who I am. And that's a weird feeling. Like I I remember being able to be a secret shopper before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. (laughs) And I'm not a secret shopper anymore. I love that my experience is great. But the thing that brought me into this work actually was my son was in the NICU for two months or in the PICU for two months, trached, ventilated, all that stuff. And I slept in a chair in the PICU for two months. And I would see these uh, nurses come in and have a great experience and conversation with us and all of that. And then they would go two doors down to a family that was super frustrated and that family would not get the same kind of attention and care. And that Mm -hmm. was that inequity that I could see right in that space was what brought me into this work. I thought it's great that I'm having a great experience. I'm concerned that families who don't know how to navigate don't get that same experience that I get. So ultimately my goal is that everybody get that kind of care. And I'm not able to really see that from a ground level anymore. Um, And even at my Uh own hospital, we had a safety incident that happened. And it happened when I was on the board and all of this stuff. And it shook me. Like, I know the place is safe. I felt like it was safe. I was on the safety committee. I was on the board. And 
it made me realize that no matter how much involvement I have, that doesn't guarantee safety for my family. So it was just a really interesting experience. And I think in some ways the hospital was probably concerned about what my thoughts and potential actions would be surrounding that safety experience. I think they handled it well and let me talk to who I needed to talk to. And I asked for meetings with the people I felt like I needed to meet with. But it also showed me again that I knew the pathway. I knew the people to talk to to resolve my issue. And that's another level of privilege that created that is not accessible to everyone. So I don't know. I feel like that navigation is so hard because I'm navigating the system as a patient and family member, and then also trying to protect and uphold that institution on the other side. So that that creates a different balance in what I'm going to do in response to something like that. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. The one of the things I pull out of what you just said is that with safety or equity, you're never there and done. No, it, it is a constant. It's what we're dealing with now with democracy democracy takes work. It takes work all the time. Yes. And I feel like the same thing with safety and equity. You can have a a moment of celebration, Mm -hmm. but then it's like back to work. That work is never done. It requires constant maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. It can be. I think I have a goal in mind. Like I I want my voice to not be required in this space. I'd like to work myself out of a job here. If I do that, then I hope I won't feel exhausted. Sometimes that can feel like a heavy lift, but I also see it as a privilege to be in a space where I can influence these things. I can have discussions that patients have never been able to have before. So it does feel historic in that way too. So uh, one last thing then, you just, so how is the organization preparing itself to add another member or have uh, a member when you've had enough? (laughs) I don't know that's happened yet. Uh (laughs) I'd love to see a plan of succession. And what I'd like to do is see it happen the same way it did for me, where the leaders of the patient and family partnership councils are able to step into that role. So for me, that would be an ideal way to continue this for now. But I'd also like to see that broader. I'd like to see family members who don't have multiple degrees on this board. I'd like to see family members. I'd like to see a lot of a lot more diversity in that space still. Yeah. The, it is a lot of work to figure out the right fit. Mm-hmm. There's so many levels of engagement. There's engagement filling out a survey. There's the engagement of being on a board. Mm-hmm. Those are really different. They are. And but then whatever in between. So the figuring out that the right sizing of that and stretching the capability of the organization to work with people that aren't credentialed up the wazoo. Right. There's a balance there. There are people who are super capable, super insightful, who don't have a ton of degrees. There, mm-hmm. Those people exist. They There's do. a middle ground here. Oh my God, um, yes. 
So that's what I'd like to see. I know plenty of brilliant people who have a mind for this kind of work, but who don't have a ton of degrees. And I would like to see at least that opening happen. In my career, so I'm a man in nursing. And I, in my first like nursing experience was I I went to school at Wayne County Community College in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And I was a like a quadruple minority. I went to school with middle-aged women of color who I came, I was a white boy from the suburbs. Mm -hmm. And I really learned a lot. It was a great, great setting for me. Yeah. In terms of I knew how to study and they knew about life. Mm And putting those together in terms of education mm-hmm. was, I it changed my outlook on health and they passed because we had study groups that they hosted and cooked. And so I ate really well. <laughs> and then now my, my brand is Health Hats and I'm a person with multiple sclerosis. I've been care partner to several family members. I'm a registered nurse. I've been in the C-suite. I've led EHR implementations. So I'm really, people like to use me because they can check off a lot of boxes. Indeed. And I did, there was a time where I felt bad about that. Okay. You know, that I've had this different kind of privilege. Mm-hmm. And now I just think, okay, it's okay. What am I going to do with it? I got it. So that's the way it is. I'm, I don't get any mileage out of feeling bad about myself. What what am I going to do with it? I don't know. It's also, it's it's fascinating. You know, like. I definitely identify with that feeling. And I feel like my job then is to hold the door open for the next person. Yeah. So I just want to fill that space in a way that makes it easy for the next person to come in. I don't feel like this is necessarily the work that I'll do for the rest of my life. I'm enjoying Mm -hmm. it. I'm learning from it. But I want to usher in more voices. Our Patient and Family Partnership Council had two people of color on it when I joined. Now it's about half and half. We still have other kinds of diversity we need to get that I think it's interesting that all of our moms of color almost all have master's degrees, are married. There is a lot of diversity that we still need to seek. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to see more of that. I just feel like adding those voices makes such a richer conversation. Mm -hmm. And there are things you're going to miss when you don't have representation. So these different groups, um, starting at those council level and advisory councils and moving on through, just need to have more voices of the people that are being served. And that's really what I have a passion for, is making Mm -hmm. sure that people get connected to those. Nikki, this is great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I um, appreciate your invitation. Seth Godin says that leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. I like that. As a student of organizations and leadership, I appreciate the opportunities and the challenges of the scarce and evolving roles patient and caregivers fill on healthcare boards. Nikki describes her function as a story collector. But sometimes I think that stories in a buck and a quarter will buy you a Pepsi. It's not sufficient. 
Nikki, though, is also a translator, a spreader, and an integrator. The stories she collects motivate action, action by the board and by the organization. That is no mean feat. My hat's off to Nikki Montgomery. We have much to still learn. Do you sit on a healthcare organization's board of governors or board of directors? Reach out to me at info at safeliving.tech. Have you gotten your vaccination yet? How did that go? Let me know. Same email address. I want to recommend a YouTube series by my dear friend Fatima called Thriving with Sickle Cell. Dating, marriage, babies, and more. Fatima and I worked together for several years, bonding over management of chronic illness, family life, bow ties, and hijabs. Check out Fatima's work here. Check out the show notes. Thanks to Kayla Nelson, web and social media coach, and Joey Van Leeuwen, musician and arranger. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block. (laughs) 